All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on such a great salvation. We'll be talking more primarily about prosperity this morning. And so I'll get into that just in just a few moments. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. And we, in case you're wondering that you know how to do so, you can simply go to our website, which is again, lighthousediscipleship.org. If you go to the top right corner where it says give, it's highlighted in blue, you can give them anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of every page on our website is our mailing address. And if you're in the United States, just so you know, all your contributions are 100% tax deductible as we are a 501c3 church. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning. Um, we've been talking almost, <coughs> excuse me, we've been talking almost all year about such a great salvation. We're already here in September, the first Sunday of September, and we've been talking for the last several months about salvation. We started by talking about defining what salvation is as a gift of salvation. We also talked about the purpose of salvation as well as the necessity of salvation. <coughs> Excuse me. And then in the last several months, we've been talking about the benefits of salvation. I had a mini-series within the series on the benefits of salvation in regards to wholeness. Spent about four or five weeks on that, more like five or six weeks. And then we spent a few months talking about the benefits of salvation in regards to healing. And starting this morning, I'm going to talk about the benefit of salvation in regards to prosperity. Now, I know with some people, this is a sore subject. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm not trying to upset you. Uh, I'm here to preach the Word of God. Okay? And some of you, just because of the subject matter, you're already going to turn me off. And I can't control that. But for those who are interested, I'm going to, I want to teach about the benefits of salvation and how, how we how it relates to prosperity. I know there's been a lot of abuse out there, but there's been a lot of abuse on both sides of the, of the ditch, uh, abusing prosperity, preaching uh, what people call a prosperity gospel, versus teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that includes prosperity. Okay? And we'll get into that a lot more deeper as we go forward. Basically what we're talking about in this series, uh, <coughs> excuse me, basically what we're talking about in this mini-series is God's blessing in our lives. Okay? God wants to bless us. And God has blessed us in Christ Jesus. Another aspect or another way of looking at this, we're talking about part of we're talking about part of God's covenant with his people. This is not the only aspect, or this is not the only element of God's covenant with us, his people, but this is part of God's covenant with his people. We're going to get into that later this morning, as well in the future lessons. Okay? So again, we're talking about the benefits of salvation. And right now we're talking about how the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. Okay? So another way of looking at this, too, is that we're talking about how we trust God. How we trust in his grace. How we trust God for everything, including our finances. I just spent several weeks talking about how we trust God in regards to our health and for healing. But now I'm talking about salvation and how we trust God for our wealth and our provision. Okay? 
Excuse me. When we're talking about prosperity, we're not talking about just about finances. We're also not excluding it either. Jesus talked a lot about finances. And I'll get into that in just a few moments. Excuse me. Sorry. We'll get that in just a few moments, okay? I know there's a lot of confusion and even different opinions regarding the subject matter of prosperity. Everybody has opinions about this, okay? But before we get too deep, let me just go to Genesis chapter 12 real quick. In Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, it talks about Abraham. God says, tells Abraham, or Abram at the time, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and then all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We'll get into the latter part of this moment, which is verse 3. But verse 2 says, Excuse me again. And I will bless you. God talking to Abraham. I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. All of the blessings of the Lord in our lives make us a blessing to the families of the earth. We are blessed to be a blessing. And when we're talking about prosperity, we're not talking about you being blessed or me being blessed and that's where it ends. No, that's just the beginning. You're blessed, I'm blessed, so that we can be a blessing to other people. That's part of God's covenant. We'll get into that in a little more detail. Okay? He goes on to say in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. And a lot of people through the years have said, well, that's God's covenant with Abraham. I'm not Abraham. You're not Abraham. Okay? So you want to go that road? I can go with that road. Well, God said he will bless anyone who blesses you. So I don't know about you, I bless Abraham. Okay? Because Abraham's not dead. Okay? He's in the presence of God. We have even a parable where Jesus talked about Abraham in his own bosom. He talked to Lazarus. Okay? He talked to the rich, uh, I forget his name now, but the, the shoot, I think it was the shoot manager, the rich endure. Anyway, let's not go there right now. I bless Abraham. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as it is written, curses anyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, so that we might come under the, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. That's not the only aspect, that's not the only thing Christ has redeemed us from, and redeemed us to, but it's what, but the, this is New Testament. The blessing, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, where? In Christ Jesus. He goes on to say at the end of the chapter, and if you are in Christ, and you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay? And we're going to get, <coughs> excuse me again, We'll get into this a lot more detail later, but notice for now, he says, In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. 
We are, again, we are blessed to be a blessing. And we're going to get a lot more detail with this. I'm, this is just my introduction, okay? Blessings involve God's divine prosperity in our lives. It's not the only thing it includes, but it includes God's divine prosperity and blessing in our lives. God made a promise to our father Abraham. God made a covenant to our father Abraham. And he said, you shall be a blessing. I will bless you. You shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And in you all the families shall be blessed. <coughs> Excuse me again. Folks, this is God's covenant. This is God's covenant promise with Abraham. And if you and I are in Christ, then we are heirs according to the promise. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. Let me look at this from another angle. Poverty, poverty is not a blessing. Okay? Yet people in the church, in many different denominations, Promote the so-called blessing of poverty. Poverty is not a blessing. They promote the so-called blessing of poverty instead of discipling people in the blessing of the Lord. Instead of discipling people in the new covenant of His grace. Okay? Again, <coughs> excuse me again. If you go back to Genesis chapter 12, the very next chapter... Chapter 13 says, And Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Abraham's blessing included uh, material things, such as livestock, silver, and gold. Okay? God's blessing does not exclude material things. God's blessing does include financial prosperity and material things. Is that the main goal, that we get blessed with material things? No, we are blessed to be a blessing. Many of you want to be a blessing to your families, to your communities, to your church, to society. But you can't bless, you can't be a blessing if you don't have. You can't be a blessing if you're looking out for a handout just to meet your needs. Do we want your needs met? Yes. But we want your needs, needs met in abundance so that you can be a blessing where God has planted you, where you are. Okay? So the blessings of God do not exclude material things. They include financial prosperity and material things. God's definition of prosperity is wholeness. And I spent five to six weeks talking about wholeness. Spirit, soul, and body. Jesus came to make us whole in our spirit and in our soul and in our body. He also came to make us whole in our relationship. He came to make us, also became whole, make us whole in our finances. And then I can go on and on down the list. The blessing of God is vital. Okay? At the same point in time, this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is not some pyramid scheme. This is not some scheme of any nature. This is not a get-rich program. This is about the covenant of God with his people. This is about trusting God. 
That's where we, I can change the subject matter and take finances off the cover. But it's about trusting God. That's what this message is about. We're talking about finances, but we're really talking about trusting God. He's your source. He's your provider. Trusting God in every area of your lives. We could be talking about wisdom. We could be talking about your work, the work of your hands. We could be talking about wisdom with your families as a parent, as a, as a child. <coughs> Excuse me. We could be talking about a lot of different things. We talked several weeks about healing and health. But we're, God wants to be Lord of all our lives. God wants to bless all of our lives. God wants us to trust Him in every area of our lives, including finances. Okay? So, and that's my next thing, including finances. God wants us to trust Him in every area of our lives. Not just finances, but including finances. And at the same point in time, as even as I'm talking, everyone has an opinion regarding prosperity. No one is indifferent about money. Jesus said our hearts would be connected to our treasures. Therefore, you can't separate man's hearts from their treasure. Therefore, Jesus spoke on finances very often. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you'll see that Jesus talked about finances very often. Why? Why did Jesus talk very often about finances? Because Jesus was after the hearts of men. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? Jesus knew if man understood a heart commitment to God and God's commitment to them, the treasures would be transformed as well. Not only is our heart going to be transformed, but the, their treasures are also going to be transformed. Okay? How they handle their treasures would be transformed if they know how much they need to be committed to God and how much God is committed to them. Again, everyone has an opinion regarding prosperity. It's kind of like a nose. This little member right up here. Okay? Everyone has a nose. Like everyone has an opinion. And you are entitled to your opinion. But it usually has a couple of holes in it, just like your nose. Okay? And talking about prosperity, finances, money, causes no small stir, especially when it's coming from the pulpit. Not only in the world, among the lost blind. In other words, talking about prosperity causes no small stir, not only in the world, among the lost and the blind and the wicked, but also in the church of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ. Many preach against prosperity or anyone who teaches on prosperity. Yet I have never met a preacher who preaches against prosperity who doesn't believe in prosperity. I've never met anyone who teaches against prosperity who doesn't believe in it. They just don't know they believe in prosperity. Everyone who teaches against prosperity has a job. Okay? They receive a paycheck. They don't say, hey, don't pay me. I'm supposed to be poverty. I believe in poverty. They accept a raise, even pastors. 
who preach against prosperity, they also have to raise on their board. I'm sorry, this is supposed to go in order. They accept the promotion. They have a crop. Maybe you are a farmer, or you live in a, in a country or a community where farming is your livelihood. You want your crop to be prosperous. Okay? You have investments, whether that be land, homes, or even a savings account, or even just a checking account with money in it, or even just a jar or somewhere, or a hole in the ground, where you're, wherever you're keeping your money. Everyone who teaches against prosperity has all these things or some of these things or multiple things. Most people who believe in prosperity, I'm talking about those who believe in prosperity, they just don't know they believe in prosperity. In other words, why did you accept the paycheck? I thought you believed in poverty. Why did you accept the raise? I thought you believed in poverty. If you believe in poverty, poverty, let's do it to the max. Never accept anything from anyone. I thought you believed poverty and holiness were synonymous. Many people teach that. Okay? Why did you accept a promotion? I thought you believed in poverty. Why are you asking me for money? I get so many people on Facebook especially asking me for money and yet they're against me for being blessed. They're against prosperity, yet they're asking me for money. Okay? I thought you believed in poverty. Why are you asking me for support? Again, why are you working a job to get money, to put food on the table, to pay your bills, and to provide for your family? I thought you believed in poverty. Why did you move your entire family for a job to make more money? Again, I thought you believed in poverty. Because you believe in prosperity and you don't know it. Now, I know I'm not speaking to everybody and everything I'm saying here. There's so many different opinions and schools of thought on this. But I'm here to wake you up to what you already believe in. Even if you're against everything I'm teaching. I'm here to help you cooperate with God and prosper in this life. What people who are against property don't like, they don't like fraud. And nor do I. And nor does God. They don't like to be, they don't like people being defrauded. And nor do I. And nor does God. The message of prosperity, just like any other biblical message, can be taken out of context, and it can be abused. It can also be abandoned. Okay? I said this in many other lessons, and I'm going to say it again with this one. When you take a text out in a context, you'll be left with a con. Let me say that again. Let me go back. When you take a text... Out of a context, you'll be left with a con. For years, I myself have had reservations regarding prosperity. Why? Because there's been many kooks out there who have misused the message, have mistaught it, mismodeled it in so many different ways and fashions. And they all kind of stem under the umbrella of fraud or defrauding others. Okay? 
My heart is pure, and I would never teach you something that would harm you or hurt you. Some of you may disagree with that. The jury may already be out on that in some way or shape or form. But when you look at God's word concerning finances, every statement in the word of God is connected to finances. It's connected, it's also, and every, it's also connected to other statements. If you don't keep, if you don't keep the context pure, and where our scripture is talking about finances, each statement that relates to other statements regarding prosperity, you can get yourself into error regarding prosperity. My point is, we need to keep the word of God in context. And when we take a text out of a context, and especially as we're talking about prosperity, we can get to error on any subject, for that matter, but especially with prosperity. See, when Jesus taught on something, he expected you to give it. Okay? I don't know if you noticed this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but when Jesus taught on something, he expected you to get what he taught. And many times when Jesus taught, he would begin teaching on something else, and he would not repeat what he just taught. Why? Because you got it. Jesus knew you got it. Okay? And then he would build on what you just received, and he wouldn't reveal. In other words, so then he would teach you two things, and how they connect to prosperity or finances, and then he would teach you on a third thing, and this is just an example, very generic example, <clears throat> but he wouldn't reveal what he already taught. Because he expected you to get the first couple things that you said. He was building precept upon precept, but he wouldn't reveal because he expected you to get it. And we'll get into this a little more deeper later. But Jesus expected, Jesus expected you to understand when I say something like, from Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. And we'll look at this in more detail later. But Jesus expected you to understand what he said because in context, because he said it in context of what he was saying at the time. And we'll get into this more detail later. I'm just making some generalizations right now. Okay? I expect you to know there's a context that that scripture is set in. And we're going to look at that context later. Okay? And you can't take that text out of its context and things like motives. See, if you, if your context isn't understood in the area of finances, you can take one truth and abuse it in regards to finances. And you can change the subject matter and that what I just said could not be true. And when you abuse something, you can misuse it. And when you do so, you miss the power of God's prosperity in your life. We'll look at this in a lot more detail, and I'll give you more specific examples as we go forward. Okay, so I hope don't be too confused by what I just said. Okay? And when you abuse and misuse the scriptures because you take something out of context, you can miss the power of prosperity in your life, and you can miss the power of God's blessing in your life. Let me give you an example. 
if you're giving with selfish motives, in other words, you're getting, giving just to get. It's all about you. It's greed. It doesn't work. Let me say that again. My, my sides are going a little slow, so I apologize for that. If you're giving with selfish motives, and we'll get into this a lot more detail later. In other words, you're giving just to get. It doesn't work. You took the, con you took the context. You took a text out of its context. And then it's not with pure motives. But if you're giving to get to give, if you're giving because you love God, you love people, you love the gospel, and you love the next generation that you're sowing seed into, and I'll get into that in more detail later, then that giving is supernatural. And that giving is blessed no matter what economy, what the economy dictates in whatever country or part of the world you're in. I'll teach you later on as we go further, I will teach you scriptures connected to our love for God and people in our giving. We're going to look at scriptures regarding this. This lesson is more of an introductory. We'll get into some scriptures this morning, but I'm really just setting the stage where we're going. Am I making sense so far? Okay. So in other words, we have to look at prosperity in the overview of the biblical perspective. We have to keep things in context. And this is a challenge many times even in the church. For instance, I've already lost a lot of people because they have an attitude about money. And they're not willing to look at the whole biblical perspective no matter what I have to say. They don't even care what I have to say. Just because the fact I'm talking about prosperity and money, they've already, they've already shut me out. I can't help those people. But I can help the ones who are willing to listen to everything I have to say before turning me off. Okay? And a lot of people have an attitude about money, and they don't even know. They don't even know they're... Their attitude is a bad attitude. And they don't even live, and they don't even live their own attitude in regards to money, like I've already been saying. They believe in prosperity. They have a job. They want more money. They want to, their, their needs met. They're asking for money or many different scenarios. Because they're all trying to get rich, make more, have more money. Whether it's on their own strength and wisdom and power, are because they're trusting God. Either they're trusting God, or they're trusting themselves, or somebody else, or the combination thereof. This message is really about trust. Okay? I Again, I have never met anyone who is not trying to get more money. And yet many people who are trying to get more money through their jobs, through the right, through the right channels, Teach against prosperity and yet they're trying to get more prosperous. Okay? But they're trying to get more prosperous trusting themselves instead of trusting God. And what they're doing as far as their job and how, is not wrong. But they need to trust God. And they need to stop mocking those who are preaching the message about trusting God. 
I'm really not talking about money. I'm talking about trusting God. It's just that money is the subject matter. Because we need to trust God in every area of our lives, including our money. Yet, if we don't go about it God's way, getting more, getting more money, it can become dangerous. Even in the church. So we first have to establish what is God's will. See, really what I'm talking about too, I'm not just talking about trusting God, I'm also talking about discipleship. Part of discipleship is teaching you how to handle your money. It's called stewardship. Okay? So in this teaching, these are not the only five things we're going to be teaching, and we're not going to cover all of these today. I'll be adding some more as we go along. But as we're talking about financial discipleship, because Jesus talked a lot about finances, Paul talked a lot about finances. There's a lot about finances in the scriptures, including Proverbs and Psalms. Okay? But we're going to talk about five things. First of all, we're going to establish what is God's will, and we're not going to conclude all that today. Secondly, we're going to be talking about why prosperity? What's the purpose of it? Why prosperity? Second, we'll be talking about, you see, a lot of people believe in prosperity, but they remove it from the purpose of the scriptures. There is a divine purpose for everyone to prosper, and we're going to look at that in more detail as we go forward. The third thing we're going to be looking at in this teaching is talk about sowing and reaping. One thing we need to understand, sowing and reaping is a biblical truth. But sowing and reaping is also not sowing and reaping is also not disconnected from other biblical truths. Sowing and reaping in many ways has nothing to do with finances. It's a law in the earth just like the law of gravity. Okay? And so, but sowing and reaping is also a law. It's a, it's a kingdom law. It's a natural law that God has established in the earth that also applies to finances. And we're going to be looking at sowing and reaping in this message, in this series. We're going to be talking about stewardship. Stewardship has a lot to do with finances. And Jesus and Paul, especially Jesus, talked a lot about stewardship in regards to money. See, the scriptures are filled with handling what you have wisely. So God can trust you with more. Being faithful in the little things so that he can give you charge over more. And when Jesus said that, he was talking about money. He was talking about other things too. And we're going to look at that. Even, the, even those who believe in prosperity want more, but they're not faithful in their stewardship of what God has given them. I'm talking to people right now who do believe in prosperity. They're just not being faithful for God has entrusted them. There's a lot of stewardship taught in scriptures, especially in the New Testament, regarding prosperity and finances. So we're going to be talking about stewardship. We're also going to be talking about motives. I just mentioned a little bit about that this morning already. Our motives are involved in the law of sowing and reaping that I just talked about as well. So handling what we have versus coveting what other people have is something that we need to talk about as well. I want to go off on this just a little bit because our culture is out of control. In so many different 
uh, countries. But right, I'm in America, and I'm going to be talking about my own country. I love America, but our culture is out of control. An entire generation believes in socialism and communism. I'm not going to get real political here, because really what I'm talking about has nothing to do with politics. Okay. I can never pronounce this word. Epitome. The epitome. Socialism and communism is the epitome of covetousness. Okay? It doesn't even believe in God. These two concepts don't even believe in God. Okay? I'm not talking politics right now. I'm talking about a religion of socialism. I'm talking about a religion of communism. That doesn't even believe in God. This is... <coughs> It's an atheistic form of government. That God is removed from it and all God's principles are removed from it. Okay? As well as all God's ways are removed. See, the state has become an idol on many levels in our country and even other countries. Paul says in Colossians, I'm not going to read the whole thing, covetousness is idolatry. The New Testament teaches behind every idol is a demon. And covetousness begins to spread like a wildfire because in our culture, people are filled with idolatry. Looking to something as their source instead of God. I'm going to tie all this right into prosperity and finances and provision in just a moment. Because they're looking to something else as their source of income and provision instead of God. Covetousness is released in idolatry. <coughs> Why? Because idolatry is covetousness. And happening now in our culture, covetousness, there's a covetousness for other people's stuff. That's what socialism is. That's what communism is. It's all, that's, that's my note here. It's also known, known as socialism and communism. There's a, it's a covetousness for other people's stuff. Okay? And when you remove God, but use God terms, you pervert them. Perverted God terms such as equity and fairness and justice. You pervert those terms without God. Whereas now it becomes equitable to take other people's stuff. It becomes fairness to take other people's stuff. It becomes justified to take other people's stuff. They're so deceived and they call it compassion. You can't have compassion without free will. You can't have compassion without love. You can't have compassion without a choice. Okay? Compassion is me having things, being so blessed that I choose to give my stuff to others. As a blessing. As a blessing. I choose to do this as a blessing, as a seed. Sowing a blessing to my future, sowing and reaping, so I can give more to other people. Not just so I get rich. It's not greed. It's not covetousness. It's to call the kingdom of God. Okay? But to a culture that corrupts the word of God, 
excuse me, to a culture that corrupts everything that is moral, corrupts everything that is pure and decent, you will have a tyranny arise. And at the heart of it is covetousness. And at the heart of it is idolatry. See, people instinctively know God created us to multiply. Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. God created us to grow. God created us to be blessed. God created us to have. And if you don't have God in your life, you will be blessed in the spirit of Antichrist by stealing it from everyone else. And that's how everything collapsed. And that's how you get violence in the streets. And the list can go on and on and on. But as, and, and as a result of walking away from God, and the church is culpable in this problem in our culture. Why? Because we have not taught people on a regular basis God's plan to prosper them. When we don't, we're not talking about being greedy and covetousness in the pulpit. That's what the world is doing. And I'm not saying pastors haven't done that. I'm not saying churches haven't done that. But that is not God. But when we don't teach people prosperity from a biblical, sound doctrine perspective, we get a culture of covetousness and idolatry that they are trusting an anti-Christ message and stealing it from other people. Because we, and the, and the, and the church is at fault for that. As far as, because they're not teaching the word of God. Because we have not discipled people on a regular basis, God's plan to bless them. We have not discipled people on a regular basis, God's plan to make them a blessing. And if we don't do that, they will turn to covetousness. I don't need to covet anything you have. More than likely, I don't want anything you have. Okay? I'm not going to go there too much. And I don't fret what's going on in the world. Why? Because you're not my source. Your stuff is not my source. The government is not my source. My source is God alone. My blessing is God alone. My prosperity is God alone. I trust God. I trust His Word. I trust his promises. I trust his covenants. But we also need to talk about the dangers associated with finances. One of those is covetousness, which I just talked about, because of the lack of teaching. But we also need to talk about the temptations associated with finances. With money comes dangers and temptations. Paul said in Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We'll look at this in a lot more detail later, but he said the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And you can have the love of money even when you're broke. 
righteousness, even you can covet when you're broke. I'll go into this in more detail, but I have time later in my teaching. But in Ezekiel, it talks about Satan's original sin. Where's the love of money? Yeah, he was lifted up in pride and how beautiful he was. But Ezekiel brings out, you study it deep enough, it talks about and all the wealth that God put on the inside of him. And the love of money was Satan's demise and fall. The love of money is the root of our evil. And the love of money is corrupting our country and our world and society and our culture today. Money is never enough. And unless we take a moral stand from a civil point of view, it will never be enough until they take everything. Because covetousness is never going to be satisfied until they get it all. It won't end until someone has the courage and their convictions and says, no, enough is enough. And they take a moral stand and they say, enough is enough. You're not getting more of my money. You're not getting my body and telling me what I have to put into it. You are not getting my kids and what you're going to teach them. You're not, t you're not stealing my business. You're not stealing. It's covetousness. And covetousness cannot be satisfied. It's idolatry. It's demonic. But it starts with us getting our house in order. Me personally, us as a family, and then us as a society, as a church. We must make sure our church stays in order. What I'm really teaching on folks is, not, is that we need to trust God. And if we're trusting God because we know His word, we know His promise, we won't be covetous ourselves. And we will know when covetous come, and we will say, no, it's not happening in my house. We need to trust his covenant of blessing us. In Mark it says, and the cares of, Jesus said in the parable of the sower, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desires of other things entering in choke the world, and it becomes unfruitful. How do we become unfruitful as a church? The word of God is sown. The word of God is sown in our hearts. But it's choked out by many things, not, the, not just riches, also the cares of this world, and the desire for other things, which is covetousness. Okay? But the deceitfulness of riches. It doesn't mean riches are bad, but there's a deceit in it. There can be. And the deceitfulness of riches has the danger of making the word of God of no effect in the heart. Because that's really what's happening in, in this verse. These things are choking out the word of God. The seed that was sown on the soil. And the seed is the word of God. And the, the, the deceitfulness of riches is making the word of God of no effect. That so we, if we don't understand the word of God properly regarding prosperity and finances, and we need to understand it, it's a blessing of God. It's part of his covenant to us. It's part of his promise to us. It's part of our salvation. But if we're not careful, it can lead to covetousness. It can lead to deceit that will make the word of God of no effect. And so it's a good thing, but there's a danger in it. There's a temptation in it if we're not taught properly to guard our hearts. And I talked a lot about guarding our hearts last week when I was talking about healing. 
We're not talking about walking in divine hell. Therefore, we need to be a wise people. And we need to be people of understanding. With prosperity becomes dangers and temptations. Therefore, with those dangers and temptations, we need to guard our hearts. With prosperity will come a deceit. And so, therefore, we need to guard our hearts against any deceit. At the same point in time, I pray for you and your personal prosperity. I pray for your jobs. I pray for your businesses. I pray for your crops and your livestock. I pray for uh, many other things that are concerning your prosperity and well-being that we'll get into. So again, we're going to be talking about these, these, these five things in this message. We're not going to cover them all today, and we're not even going to finish the first one today. Okay? But so let's talk, begin to talk about it. what is God's will regarding finances, regarding prosperity. Okay? So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is one of my main texts for this entire series. You're going to see me referring back to this one very often. But we're going to, let's get some of the context that I talked about, and then we're going to get the verse 18, which is what I really want to get to in just a moment. We'll read through the verse 19. Beware that you do not forget. Say that. Do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all you have is multiplied. Folks, verse 13, that's prosperity. Okay? Prosperity is, going back again, is your flocks and herds. Now, I know some of you might not be herdsmen, okay? But your business is multiplying. Your livelihood is multiplying. Your finances, your currency is multiplying. All that you have is multiplying. Okay? That's prosperity. Okay? Verse 14. And when your heart is lifted up and you forget... What were we not supposed to do? Forget the Lord your God. Who brought you out? Who brought you? Who brought them in? Who, 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 who prospered them? It was God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage? See, I'm going to go further, but before I get there, God is screaming. <coughs> That's my words, okay? I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to multiply your, your flocks. I'm going to multiply your gold and your silver. I'm going to multiply everything you have. I'm going to give you beautiful homes that you did not even build. I'm going to multiply your livestock. I'm going to multiply your finances. I'm going to multiply everything you have. I'm going to bless you. <coughs> As we read this entire passage, this entire context, God's screaming us out. I'm going to do this. You're not going to do it. I'm going to do it. But even though I'm going to do this, it's a good thing. I'm, I mean, you know, God doesn't do bad stuff. 
God doesn't multiply your finances that have a temptation to be deceitful, that have a temptation to lead to covetousness. He gives you a good thing. He blesses you with every good and perfect gift comes from above. Okay? But, he's, giving, he's saying, I'm going to bless you, but he's also in this context giving you a warning. Just like I've been doing this morning. And one of those warnings is, don't forget me. I'm going to do all this for you. But don't forget me. Don't forget my word. My statutes, my, my precepts. Because he said, he goes, who led you through the terrible wilderness in which, you, in which fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water? Who brought you water for you out of the rock? God did all this. His provision. His provision was not, not only leading with not only finances and material things, but his prosperity was guiding them, leading them out of bondage through the wilderness and bringing water out of a rock. That's provision. That's prosperity. Okay? Who fed you in the wilderness with manna and quail? Can I add that? Which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, <coughs> excuse me, and that he might test you to, to, to do good in the end. Then you say, God does all this for you, and then you say in your heart, my power and, my, and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Notice what happens when we don't acknowledge God. Philemon 1 6 says, and the communication with faith becomes, becomes effective, becomes effectual as we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. Trust the Lord with all the heart, lean on others, and in all ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path straight. When we acknowledge Him, our faith becomes effectual. Philemon 1 6, I should have had that on the screen. When we acknowledge him, he directs our path straight. But when we don't acknowledge God, bad things happen. Notice what happens when we don't obey his word. Notice when we don't follow his principles for blessings and prosperity. We forget God. And we think it's our, our we think our prosperity came by our power. Maybe we had a good job. Maybe you worked hard. And that's all commendable. And I will, I will teach you, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. I'm not teaching prosperity, and you just sit on your bum. You need to work. If you were here asking for a handout, asking for money, I'll put you to work. I might not employ you, but I might ask you to do some work around the house. Do some yard work. Do some chores. I'm not just going to hand you money if you don't do something. It doesn't work that way. One, I don't do you any good. Okay? If, you're, if I'm going to give you money, then you need to work for it. Okay? I'm not you know, there's not a certain, certain price tag on it. But if you need to work, if you need, if you need money, 
You need to volunteer somewhere. You need to do something. You need to be working. You need to be busy. But it's not your power that is making you prosper. It's God. God gave you that job. God gave you the health. God gave you uh, the ability to work. It's God who blesses you. God can bless. And maybe the job that you have is not going to be enough to meet your need. Your, your job, your employer, is not your source. God is. Work. Be faithful. And God will bless the loaves and the fi loaves and fish to meet me the multitude. God can bless the work of your hands. But get busy. Do something. But do it unto him. Okay? You, you know, you have I mean, we are not acknowledging God. When we forget God, we think it's our hands, our power that brings prosperity. We think it's our might. We think it's our hands. That's making us prosperous and putting food on the table and paying the bills. God said, I am the one that fed you in the wilderness. I led you all this way. I did all this stuff. But your, once, you, I, once I did all this for you, your heart said, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Folks, I'm teaching on prosperity. But I'm teaching that prosperity comes from God. And our submission and trust in Him. Prosperity, <coughs> excuse me, comes by our faith obedience to Him. I thought you taught grace and not, no, I not. I thought you didn't teach. I thought you taught against performance, Pastor Dave. God's not blessing me because of what I do. God's blessing me because I put faith in His. Grace. He's already blessed me. The provision's already there. You know, when we talk about the provisions there before the need, God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And the seventh day, he rested because it was finished. But did you notice that God created man on the last day? God didn't, God didn't create man before there was light. So man had to be, be one whole day without any light. God didn't create man before there was even a planet, an earth, to put man on. So man was just floating in space. And, and not, he didn't even create the universe yet. So man just floating around in a bunch of nothingness. God didn't create man before he, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I think it was the second day he created the waters. Are you glad man didn't have to just swim for one whole day, 24 hours, before he created the planet? He waited until there was, before he, he created vegetation and shade and provision. God created everything. He said it good, and then he created man in a perfect world. He thought everything man needed, the oxygen he needed for, from the trees, the oxygen that the world, the, the, the earth provided. God created man, created everything, then he created man. See, when we are obeying, when I say prosperity comes by God and our faith obedience, I'm talking about because we're trusting Him. And when He tells us what to do, we're obeying Him, not for God to bless us. He, we're, we're, he's blessed us because we're trusting Him. I'm hoping you see that. God made the first move. God told us what to do. 
God told us where to sow. God told us where to plant. God blessed the seed. But the, 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 on the other side of this, if we're, we're going to do our own thing, God, you bless what I do. God, you, I'm just going to sit here on my bum and you bless me. That's not how God's kingdom works. That's not the kingdom of sowing and reaping. That's not how God made it. That God's not creating you. God's not blessing you because you're passive. God's not blessing you because you're lazy. God's not blessing you because you're, you're keen and he's not. God's blessing you of his grace, but he wants you to trust him. And as you work hard and as you're faithful and obedient to him, he still gets all the glory. He still gets all the honor. Praise God, you trusted what he told you to do. And you obeyed what he told you to do. You weren't the source. You weren't, you weren't, you didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to obey. You didn't know what to respond to. He just, he just gave you a map and you followed the map. That's what faith obedience. He gave you a map. You're just following the instructions. He's the one that gave you the wisdom, the know-how, and, and, and the and ability, and even the faith to do it. Okay? Prosperity comes by his faithfulness, his faithfulness to his own word. It says that by faith God created the world. You know, God had faith in himself to create the universe and the world and everything you and I know. God had faith in his own word to create you. Okay? Take faith. We need to believe God in these last days no matter what other people say and what other people do. Really what I'm teaching is a very good end times message. Because in these last days there's so many voices, there's so much corruption going on in this world, we need to trust God. And no matter what the world tries to do in our economy, no matter what the world tries to do in their covetousness, we can trust God. How many know Joseph had to trust God no matter what was taking no matter what was happening to him? Daniel and the sheep and the three she me she Meshach and Abednego had to trust God no matter what was going on in their society. Paul and Jesus and the apostles had to trust God no matter what's happening in their society under the Roman government and the religious oppression that they were receiving. We need to trust God in these last days. We need to believe God. And we also need to obey Him. You obey God because you trust Him. If you don't obey God, you're telling me you don't trust Him. He trusts you. You trust me. You trust your wisdom over God. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God. Verse 18. This is the verse I want to get to, so let me go back. And you shall remember the Lord your God. Remember, we're not supposed to forget Him. I'm going to spend some more time on this remember in just a moment. For it's He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers. What fathers? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Okay? We just read that in Genesis chapter 12. Okay? And again, and you shall remember the Lord your God. Because in verse 17, we forgot Him. In verse 17, we thought we did it. We said, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. Let me go on this remembering real quick. We need to remember God. Do you remember communion? Paul, 1 Corinthians? And when he gave, 
he talked about Jesus at the last Passover, and then when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take heed. Excuse me, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this and what? Remembrance of me. And then uh, uh, verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of my, uh, the new covenant. We're talking about covenant right now, too. The new covenant in my blood, do this in remembrance of me. God is the one who gives us power to get well. That he may establish his covenant. And we're, sp we're supposed to remember his covenant through communion. God wants to establish his covenant. God gives you the power to get prosper in your families, to prosper in your business, to, to, and, and he blesses you as a nation. Okay? I'm going to come back to some of this. I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. But let's go to Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation who God is the Lord for the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. And I could go off on this because I'm going off of this comment I have here. And he blesses us as a nation. And he will bless any nation who said, who. Who, who God is the Lord. And I know in our nation here in America, it's mixed. I know our government is not acknowledging God, but we are. We the people. I know not all the people, but there is a lot of people. There's a remnant here. It's a pretty large remnant. I know a lot of people by the thousands and tens of thousands who are trusting God. It's not everybody, but it's some people. Okay, and God will bless you. Remember, Goshen was blessed while Egypt was not. Okay, when we reject God at any level, personally, by, as a family, or a tribe, or corporately, or regionally, or nationally, we shut off the power of God. We shut off the power of wealth. We shut off the power of prosperity. We get into pride. And down we come because what pride, we're pro uh, um, sorry, I was trying to quote something and I just forgot what it was. But pride comes before fall. That's what I was trying to quote. Sorry, I just had a mind blank there. Let me finish uh, Deuteronomy 8, verse 19, and then we'll go back to verse 18. And then it shall be, then it shall be. If you by any means forget, that's what he's been talking about in the whole context, the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. Folks, we need to trust God. As a nation, as a family, as individuals, we need to trust God. Because God is the answer. Psalm 35, 27 says, Let them shout and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. We're going to come back to Deuteronomy in just a few minutes. So hold on. But God is here to establish his covenant. He's blessing us to establish his covenant. He's given us the power to get well to establish his covenant. And we're going to come back to that. We're going to spend a lot more time with that. But he says, let them shout and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually. We're supposed to say it continually. That the Lord is magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God is, God is magnified when you prosper. 
God is pleased, takes pleasure when you prosper. We've been looking at this verse a lot, especially when we talk about healing. But 3 John verse 1, 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as I so proper, prosper. Our prosperity is connected to our souls, our mind, our will, and emotions. You're not, you're not going to prosper in your health or in your wealth, in your marriage, in, in raising and rearing your children in a dark time unless you get your mind renewed. Unless first prosper in your minds and you first prosper in your understanding. No matter how confused we may be, no matter how poor we may be, no matter how much we're struggling to get out of the poverty, no matter what's going on in the government, the first step towards prosperity is believing he wills for you to prosper. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. He takes pleasure. He's magnified. He's giving you the power and wealth to establish his covenant. And if you don't believe he wills for you to prosper, you will have a tendency to give up. And to say whatever will be, will be. This is my lot in life. This is my fate. He goes on to say in 3 John, I rejoice greatly when the brother came and testified the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. You know, I've heard recently people mocked 3 John just because it was written the gayest. I can't pronounce his right name right. Just like people mocked when I was written, I was written to Abraham. Well, once you go down that road, folks, you have a major issue because Romans was written to Romans. Okay? Corinthians was written to Corinthians. Revelation was written to the seven churches in, uh, of Asia. And once you go down that road, every book was written to a certain audience. But all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so the men of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So once you start take, to saying, it's not written for you, it's not written for me, who died and made you king? That's error. You're going down the wrong road there. I take no greater joy than to see that my children walk in truth. Is it God's will for all of us to prosper? Pardon my typo there. Okay, I don't know what PF is. But is it God's will for all us to prosper? In other words, what does that mean and look like? Let me just qualify something here. I don't know if it's God's will that all become a millionaire, a billionaire, a trillionaire, whatever you call that. But I do know it's God's will that we all prosper. I don't know what that may look like exactly for you and me. Okay? But I believe, above all things, that thou may prosper and be healthy as I so prosper. And how that looks in your life may look different in someone else's life, including mine. I do know it's God's will that we not be in poverty. But I'll, let me also address something here. We do need to quit measuring prosperity by what man has called prosperity. I know billionaires 
who are not prosperous. They mock God. They mock our country. And the list can go on and on. I know many who are barely making it, but they are prosperous. Okay? Paul said, But we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they measure themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. We need to quit looking at what the world calls prosperity. And we need to look at what God calls prosperity. At the same point in time, on a totally different note, it amazes me at the dishonesty of so many preachers and even Christians today. So many people in the, in the body of Christ. See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, again, remember what I said about taking a text out of its context in your left on God? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the entire chapter is dedicated to money. Paul spends the whole chapter talking about money. He talks about finances, he talks about giving, he talks about receiving. And in chapter 9, he does the same thing. He talks about finances, he talks about giving, he talks about receiving, he talks about reaping, okay? he talks about connecting it to, and he, he connects it to spiritual things. Okay? And, and remember, we already talked in Deuteronomy 8, we're going to spend more time in there later, and we won't get there too far today, but the purpose of giving, the purpose of God giving us is the power to gain wealth is to establish His covenant. We are under a new covenant. The covenant of his blood. We just read about that in, in Corinthians. Talk, we call that communion. Okay? And yet Christians will criticize. Why are they building such a big church building? That money could have been given to the poor. You know what, what, what are my responses to that? Give your money to the poor. If that is on your heart so much. What God puts on your heart to do with your money, you do what God tells you to do. But if it's on your heart so much to give to the poor, you give your money to the poor. Don't tell other people what to do. You need to, first of all, you need to learn how to mind your own business. Okay? Yet, Christians will criticize, I just can't believe they're building something like that. What a waste. Having no idea of the power of the covenant. Some churches are building for the covenant to be taught for generations in their communities where God had established them. They're building a place. They're building a place that God has told them to build. So that in the place where God has established them, they can bring the gospel and teach the covenant of God to generation, to generation after generation after generation. But the church at large has never been taught the reason why God gives us the power to get well, to establish his covenant. God gave us power to get well, to establish the covenant. What I'm doing right now is establishing the covenant of God in my teaching. You may not value it, and you may not approach it that way, but you're not our Lord. You're not our King. 
And you're not our source, you're our power. God gave us power to get wealth to establish his covenant. Now, I don't say these things because we're building a big building, because we're not. I'm talking about other churches who are building buildings. Am I saying some people are wasteful and some people are not done that? That may be true. But that's between them and God. Okay? Sometimes we need to learn to mind our own business between what God's called you to do and what God's told you to do. Okay? We are, to, but we are going to trust God. And we're going to trust his word to do what God's called us to do. Here in this church, Lighthouse is at Center. I'm not responsible how another pastor, our leaders, our church does their church in another country, another area, another place, even down the street. But I am responsible to be faithful with what God's called me to do and how I'm supposed to do with the resources God gave me, including our finances. We're going to trust the word of God. We're going to trust God's covenant. We're not going to trust the philosophies of men. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, the entire two chapters are dedicated to money, finances, giving, receiving, etc. And running out of time. But then in Deuteronomy chapter 8, remember in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we already talked about how it's God's purpose to, to get, get well so we can establish his covenant. And we are in the new covenant. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 and 9, this is in the middle of chapter 8, I speak not by the commandment, but I'm testing sincerity of your love by the diligence of others, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That's New Testament and I made a comment and then go, I can't believe how dishonest some people are. But if you're looking for a way to miss this, when he says that you through his poverty might become rich, if you're looking for ways to miss that, there is a lot of help out there to help you miss that. And again, when you take a text out of a context, you'll be left with a con. The entire context. Of 2 Corinthians 8 9 is talking about money, finances, giving, receiving, reaping. That's what the entire context is talking about. But many have said Paul is not talking about money. That's dishonest. He's not, he's talking about being rich in kindness, peace, goodness, the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't disagree with any of that in the fact that he's. In the sense that Jesus did become your sin and die. Jesus did so that you can be, by faith, could be, become the very righteous of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I do agree with that. I do agree so that the fruit of the Spirit can flow in and through you. I do believe that part of richness and prosperity is God, his Spirit, flowing in and through you. I don't disagree with that. But I do disagree with you saying he's not talking about money when the whole two chapters, he's talking about money. That's dishonest. That's lying to the Holy Spirit. Okay? But the entire context here in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is talking about money. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's what it's written. That you through his poverty might become rich. 
The entire context is talking about finances. Yes, there's more explanation needed to explain what it means to be rich, and we're going to get into that in more detail. But the entire context is talking about finances. Can we apply that to some other things? Perhaps. Okay? When I say perhaps, it depends on what you're talking about. Okay? But at the same point in time, um, he's talking about finances. So, is it wrong for me to apply it to finances when the whole context is applying to finances? I don't think so. I think I can apply it exactly how Paul applied it. Okay? At the same point in time, about this whole concept about rich, Paul does say to Timothy, a young pastor, to charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Keyword trust. But in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That sounds a lot like Deuteronomy chapter 8. They're rich, and they're the same warning that's going through all these scriptures we're going to be going through, or at least a lot of them. God, God is the one who gives us richly all things to enjoy. He's the one that gives us rich. He's the one that did it. God's not the culprit by making us rich, but we need to learn to trust in the living God, trust in Him, and not the riches. God gave it. God does it. God supplies it. But we're, who are we trusting in? The riches and become covetous and idolatry? Or are we trusting God? Are we going to say God's wrong by making us rich and tell now we're blaming God? Isn't that what Adam and Eve did in the garden? Okay? They were all playing the blame game. So there are people in the church because if there's people in the church that we need to charge regarding riches, then Christians can't be rich. Okay? We need to charge them to guard their hearts. I mean, you know, you can be covetous even though you're broke. I mean, we need to charge your hearts too. And I can give you many scriptures about that. But God is screaming. Again, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to give you beautiful homes. I'm going to multiply your livestock. I'm going to multiply your finances. I'm going to multiply everything you have. I'm going to bless you, but don't forget me. Don't forget my word. We got a lot more to cover in this series. This is just a basic introduction. I didn't get very far. But we're talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. We're still under the umbrella of the benefits of our salvation. God, and we're talking more about God blessing our lives. We're talking a lot about God's covenant with his people. And one of the key verses, and we're going to be coming back here, is, and you shall remember the Lord your God, was he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to his fathers this day. We're going to talk about this. God give you, we, 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 one key thing I keep coming back to you is that we remember God. And we don't start gloating in how God, and we, we don't start taking the credit. God gave God gives the power to get well. But God gives the power to get well. God's the one that gave the power, so we're not going to focus on us. We're going to focus on him. At the same point in time, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and some people are throwing the, the bathwater out too. Uh, now, he gave us the power to get well. It's okay to be wealthy, but we need to remember God. And God gives the power to get well to establish his covenant. And we're going to look at that covenant. We're going to look at that. There's a warning in here. He's screaming that warning out there. 
I'm going to do all this. Don't forget me. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you richly. Now don't forget me. Don't start trusting in the riches. Trust in the living God. But God is here to bless us to be a blessing. So he can establish his covenant. But through it all, we're talking about such a great salvation. And we're trusting the Lord of our salvation. Because the day is today of salvation. I hope this has blessed you. We're going to have a lot more to talk about in the weeks to come. God bless you. You guys have a good week. Be blessed.